When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio, covering Nebraska football and recruiting for 24-7 sports. Here is Mike J. Schaefer. Yeah, that's a grown-ass man right there. Mike Schaefer. I don't know. There could be bacon involved. Mike Schaefer. Appreciate it, guys. Thank Brian Edwards for me. Here is Mike Schaefer. Um... It's 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 kind of challenging. Um, it's kind of the NFL style offense, you know, a lot of concepts, a lot of formations and terms. But um, one thing that helped me learn it learn it was um, the whole coaching staff when they first got here. They started from you know ground zero, worked our way up throughout the playbook. Um, so being able to go step by step throughout that playbook helps. Um, the freshmen who came in the summer, it might be a little harder because you know they have to jump straight into it, but they're catching on pretty quick. So you know they're doing well with it. Too. Welcome back to Coffee and Cream, presented by Currency, or powered by Currency, excuse me, powered by Currency here at the H&H Chevrolet Studio. Damon Benning, Ravi Lula, and joining us now, our guy Mike Schaefer from Husker 24-7. Schaefe, what's good this morning, buddy? Not uh, not a lot. I don't know if you saw in the studio chat. I'm not sure what was going on with the bed music while I was hanging out, but that thing got up to 11 yeah. It was and aggressive. So it, was, like it, was, the, it was it was high. It was aggressive. It was the the 22% hearing I have left that's natural might be down under, you know, 20% at this point. So you can't be taking my, my guy in. might be reaching out. <laughs> Shane, you can't be taking my guy into the <laughs> teens. What are we doing here? What is going <laughs> on? My bad, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Dude. I love you, man. I'm sorry. Shane, I didn't catch that. Can you repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. My bad. I'm sorry. Thank you. Wow. Mike, uh, Mike J., who stands to benefit from uh, the fresh – <laughs> Who stands to benefit the most from the fresh set of eyes? Are you ready? Janarian Bonner, John Bullock, or Blaze Gunnerson? Who stands to gain the most from the fresh set of eyes? So, I mean, it, it feels like if I was to put this in some sort of order, <laughs> it would be John Bullock would be first. Uh, because, it, you know, I mean, I, there's a position change in there. He's obviously been noticed by the staff in a way that he hadn't been previously. Um, you know, so that's, that's interesting. I think Blaze Gunnarsson is – among the most interesting guys on defense that really hasn't broken out. Quietly um, one of the best stories going. It's yeah. almost like but, we didn't even give it a second thought that they're like penciling him in with the first unit. The, the thing is, Blaze has to be healthy. I mean, I don't, I don't know that talent was ever that big of a question. He just hasn't had an extended run of health, really, since going to his sophomore year of high school. But I, I think from a talent perspective, um, everybody can kind of see it. It's just you got to be on the field to, to show it. And then Janira Bonner is last, not because there isn't 
a benefit or, uh, you know, having a new set of eyes on him, but it's just that he was in the program the least amount of time of this group. And obviously there's, there's a little bit of a position change and we'll see kind of what his actual role is as the season goes. But of those three guys, he was here the least. So I feel like it's least helpful for him. Shafe, I'm, I'm curious, kind of going off of Damon's question there. Don't do that. Yeah, I'm just going to steal from you a little bit because uh, your ideas are better than mine sometimes. Pe- pe- petty theft. That's um, what they call that, petty theft. <laughs> who benefits the most? And I'm not going to give you options because I'm not as prepared. Oh, as okay, I like that. Um, who benefits the most from a so-called positionless offense the way that mm. Satterfield and McGuire have been talking about? I'm in the offensive coordinator because you can sort of change any answer to fit the question. <laughs> you don't really have to say anything. I'm loving it. I've moved to Tuesdays in the last couple of weeks. I've just been like, man, Marcus Satterfield's really just throwing it out there. He's he's not trying to say coach speak. He's just giving you straight out of the playbook coach speak. But no, an actual answer for you. Um, It's tough because without knowing what this offense is doing and, and setting out to accomplish and not putting all of my eggs in the social media released highlight basket, um, you know, it's it's tough to say who's going to be able to benefit the most because you can see a, a way where a guy like Thomas Fedoni can help this team, um, you know, both as an inline tight end but also split out a little bit. You can mm-hmm. utilize him in that fashion. Uh, Ramir Johnson, you know, we spent all of last season hearing about how he could be utilized in a variety of ways and then he was just left on the sidelines the entire time. But if this staff <laughs> can find ways to use him as a uh, slot, you know, wide receiver at times or uh putting him in motion and confusing the defense a little bit like i i think there's stuff in there um without seeing the actual offense go to work yet or what their vision of it is it feels like i'm just sort of throwing some darts out there uh, but they, they definitely have intriguing pieces on offense it's just a matter of what does this look like when it comes together and what are what are their actual goals as they're they're trying to, to move forward offensively too I apologize if this is a loaded question because I feel like you and I are in the same exact same camp here with Gabe Irvin where it's like I, I got to see it. I got I get the buzz, but I'm like, eh. for you, who ends? They're all going to carry it. Who do you think emerges as the guy like, oh, that's different than what I thought I was going to see? Let me ask it that way. Who's going to be the most different mm. from what we think we're going to see? I don't know that this is a, a super confident answer, but I guess I sort of hope that it's it's Anthony Grant. Like I, I hope that there is an you. evolution or development in his game over the offseason. Um, you know, I've, I've heard that uh, EJ uh, Barthel is, is happier with what he's seen from Grant. Uh, you know, through the course of the end of the spring and the summer, I wouldn't be surprised if he's made kind of a move uh, relative to, to how people sort of feel like it's Gabe Irvin's job at the moment. Um, I think he's the most natural runner in some ways uh, of, of this group, or I don't even know if natural is the right word, uh, but I, I just think Anthony Grant has the most upside. Let's put it that way. I think he has the most upside of any of those running backs, and so I guess I would hope, you know, we'll go back to the fresh eyes thing. 
maybe there's something EJ Barthol can unlock in Anthony Grant that makes him better than what we saw at his best last year, which was which good, but it you know there's certain things that he could he could get better at in terms of patience and finding a hole and getting the shoulder square and all of those different things. Uh, so maybe we see that here in 23. Because I do think there's a better running back than the version we saw in 22, which was again Nebraska's leading rusher. How much of that? How much of the offensive line looking better is just simply running backs knowing what holes to hit? Like, do you uh, that, do you yeah, think it, do you think it like that? Do you? I mean, yeah, absolutely, they were content. I mean, like, okay, so I'm going back two seasons now, but go to 2021. Nebraska's offensive line looked better immediately when Ramir Johnson was the one hitting the holes on the inside zone runs because he hits them harder and he finds them a little bit better than what Gabe Irvin or, uh, you know, um, Marquis step were doing at that time. So I, I think part of the offensive line for me, uh, I don't, uh, you know, the run blocking aspect of it, you'd like to see them get a better push, but also it's just, you want to see better results out of the running back. So it's a, it's a tandem thing. Like if they're doing their job and the running backs are doing their job, Nebraska's offensive line should look better because of it. Now, that sets aside the whole issues they had with pass protection last year. Mm. But if we're just talking strictly running the football, uh, running backs that have a better understanding of where they need to go or showing more patience for the hole to develop can help with the, the offensive line as a whole and make you feel better about the offensive line as a whole. Shafe, I found a better way to ask the question that I wanted you to answer earlier, so we're going to try again. Um, if, it, if at first you don't yeah. succeed, I'm st- I'm hit the rest of that 20%. I'm stubborn. Yeah, we got 20 minutes here, so you I'll can say, what you want. I'm stubborn, and we have a long segment, so we're going to try again. Uh, what players on offense do you think have the most versatile skill set? Okay. I think that's what I was trying to ask earlier. Uh, it, it goes back to, I think, Ramir Johnson, again, can can do some interesting things. I think you can use him in different ways than what we've seen in his career at times. I mean, I go back to that Michigan game, and I will go back to that Michigan game until forever, I think. I mean, that's a, that's a 2021 college football playoff team, and you could make a case at times on offense the best player for Nebraska in that game was Ramir Johnson because they utilized him out of the backfield as a receiver. They got him in interesting matchups. I think they actually hit on a successful screen or a swing pass. I forget which. I mean, they had that outstanding, I think it was a wheel route, because that's the route that everybody knows, mm-hmm. uh, out of the backfield <laughs> early in that game. Um, you know, so there's the way that Ramir Johnson was used in that Michigan game. Like, I crave that. Like, use, mm-hmm. use players in that fashion when they show you that ability, and especially, I mean, he's fast enough and – uh, this is bringing up a bad memory for some, but go back to that Illinois game. If he catches that pass from Casey Thompson, one, you probably don't lose Casey Thompson for several weeks. Two, your chances of beating Illinois go up. Do you guys remember the play that I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of the backfield, it's, oh, yeah. a, it's a pass along the sidelines. I believe the Nebraska yeah. sideline. Because um, I think you know. a play or two later, Nebraska turned it over. Well, yeah, because Casey gets crushed and the ball flies in the air and it gets picked off, and yeah. that's pretty much the end of the game. But, uh, like, it's it's not, you know, we didn't see that a lot last year, but I think that can be part of his skill set. And so that's a guy I'd like to see utilized in that way. If you're going to go really young, and I don't know how what you're going to get out of some of these players, but, you know, Jaden Doss, when he was being recruited, talked about how teams were telling him that they were getting Debo Samuel vibes of how he could run the football, his vision when he had the football in his hands. Don't tease uh, me, Shafe. Was... Don't tease me with Debo. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's... – 
kind of one of those comparisons that gets thrown out there and you're like, I don't know if this is 2% or 98% accurate, but uh, <laughs> one of those things. But he, I mean, he is a guy that has experience running the, the ball out of the backfield. He played running back at times uh, for, for Ray Moore Peculiar. So um, I, I look at him as another guy with an interesting skill set. I mentioned Fedoni. I mean, you have Janiron Bonner, who's a wide receiver now at each back. Like there's, there's different things that they can do. And I am curious if they get to the point where part of what the offense is is designing mismatches against different linebackers or safeties with some of the speed Nebraska can get on the field. Like, I, I think that's going to be a part of it. But they obviously have to get other things to work before you can get to the more of the gadget stuff. I just think it's just, I just go back to the spring game where they actually gave the ball to Bonner on like a fullback dive. Mm-hmm. First right. play of the game. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what is going on? Uh, Mike J., when you're listening to, like, Coach Rule and this staff, am I undersell or overselling the fact that it just uh, – it feels different that they actually enjoy working with one another with all the guys with the paid positions a lot more than some previous staffs have. It, is it just me, or do they seem more connected? Well, I mean, they're connected by rule, right? Like, they, they all sort of have this connection back to rule. I mean, every, you know, Rob Dvorak played for him, and Philip Simpson played for him, and those guys have different roles on the staff, but they know Matt Rule through that. And so knowing Matt Rule through that gives you an instant connection you know, um, whether they crossed over at Temple or not. And then you have Garrett McGuire, who obviously has deep connections into it. And Marcus Satterfield. And and all of these guys are just connected. Like, I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I think that's a big part of the recruiting pitch. And that's more of, of what I can actually speak to, is these recruits get in there. And Matt Rule talks about family. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, you know, when he puts a staff together – is not out there looking for the the guy that's going to be on everyone's hot list for best linebackers coach. He's looking for a guy who knows how he wants things run and understands what Matt Rule's system is. And, you know, that's generally why I think you're going to see internal promotions. The The next opportunity that you have, um, you know, obviously Bob Wager, that just happened. But the next opportunity that you have, and that was an internal one, though that had as much to do with timing, um, I think Philip Simpson's going to end up as a full-time assistant coach. If Terrence Knighton has NFL opportunities, which wouldn't surprise me, then it's going to be the next guy up. And they have people like that at all of these different positions. Yeah, uh, Adam D. Michelle, they, they do. They, yeah. have a, they have a lot of those guys. Well, and I think, I think if you look at how Matt Rule does it a lot, he wants them to start in the recruiting department, learn what his recruiting process is, mm. get a feel for the evaluation and what it is like to be on that end of it, and then you move into everything else. Like I, it's almost like an assembly line for assistant coaches. If you look at his stops throughout his career and how he's sort of done these things. Shafe, I'm I'm curious. I was listening to Rule talk the other day, and he's you know he's talking about taking him to go see Hamilton. He's t- talking about like having him watch <laughs> Bud Crawford, and he says that we just want to be around excellence. We just want to be around excellence, whatever it looks like. And I'm curious, I like, that sounds good, right? I like how that sounds in theory. I guess my question is, and maybe this isn't a fair question, but how much of that can actually translate? How much of that actually matters? Or just like, ah, we just want to go see Hamilton. Um, 
I mean, I, I think team activity obviously is good. Um, the way that you sort of phrase it with both Hamilton and Crawford, I guess I kind of think about it in the sense of like, if you're going to have a team activity and you're going to watch something, watching two of the best at what they do uh, sort of stands out in terms of you can watch Hamilton and come away with just complete, uh, you know, and just being completely impressed by the technical regard of everything they have to do. And mm-hmm. it's not football, but you know, the choreography, like every, everything has to be hit for this to look like a success. If you think of, of Hamilton as a musical and Nebraska running the football in the same way, the choreography in the background has to work to enhance everything in front of it. The choreography of your offensive line has to enhance what's happening with your running backs, what's happening with the overall play call. So I guess if, if you're really looking to deep dive on it, mm-hmm. showing really successful things to a team atmosphere and kind of ingraining in their brain, like, you know, we're, we're going out, we're doing this, we're doing it as a team, but we're also watching things that are really successful. Bud Crawford, you know, another example. Like, I, I think it almost doubly reinforces, you know, how you have to do these things. Now, that might be going a little bit deep. It might just be a, hey, we need a team activity. We're all stuck here in the dorms. But I, I think there might be something to that idea. Shafe, given what you know and kind of what you're learning since December with this staff and the culture, would you rather be an old guy resetting mm. or a young guy having to get ramped up to speed? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think they both have their own benefits, right? Like, if you're if you're an older player, I one of the things that happens with a coaching transition that always fascinates me, and I can't speak to it. Uh, but if you're a guy and you're Luke Reimer and you had Barrett Rude for you know the entire duration of your career at Nebraska, and mm-hmm. now you have Rob Dvorak, is there a benefit that you get from you know we talk about fresh eyes? But is there a benefit you get from a fresh voice, from a fresh perspective? It's because I think with some of these guys, especially some of these defenders, you know, I look at the defensive line. Ty Robinson probably needed Terrence Knight. Ty Robinson probably wasn't going to get any better doing the same things under Mike Dawson for a third year. So I, I, I look at that and I see an enhanced benefit in it. And then I look at some of the younger guys and I see an opportunity for them to learn very early on what the standard is, what the expectation is, where the goal is, and then work towards it. So I think there's benefits to both, and I'm going to take a very fence-sitting answer and answer it that way. So it, but it's interesting you use both those guys because I think – and I don't know the conversation. I just remember the day, and I said this one time on the show a couple months ago, where I remember Ty Robinson spending a lot of time sitting with Coach Rule outside the stadium in front of the statue. I was doing some other business. I kind of walked by him, and I bet I was in there oh, at least an hour. And I came back, and they were still sitting. Like, and it wasn't warm outside either. Like, so that let me know, kind of know that they were, they were in-depth about something. And it's funny you use Reimer because I think it took some time to make sure that Reimer all in maybe isn't the word. But for a likable coach like Rude that coached the way that he did – and you've had some success when you were healthy. I think that trans, th- that relationship with Dvorak probably took some time, right? I think oh, yeah. the staff had to kind of wait that out to see where guys like Reimer were. Yeah, but I, I think if you're Luke Reimer and you can approach it like, okay, I have this as a base, and I learned this from a former NFL player. 
but here's someone else and he can provide something else. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't always, I don't know what player said it. It was somebody in the spring sort of talked about how you know, he's figured out because he's had so many different position coaches to, to sort of use the best of all of them. You know, like I, it might've been Nash Hutmacher talking about Tony Tuioti and then Mike Dawson and now Terrence Knighton and how he's able to sort of utilize different things from each of them. And so I, I just think there's sometimes a benefit from either side of it. Uh, but yeah, I, some of it has to be just how quickly can you develop that relationship with a new coach? And especially if you had a strong relationship with the old coach. Mm. Uh, but I, I do think there can absolutely be a benefit. Like it doesn't have to just be a, all right, this guy's a veteran. I can just give him the, the talking points and we can move forward. I think there's definitely ways to learn from each other. Shafe, I'm curious. I want to, kind of talk about Ethan Piper here for a second. Oh, talk about benefiting from from new eyes. Not not having new eyes. Right? The consistency. Um I'm curious because Ethan Piper seems to be sort of one of the poster children for the ideals of what the new staff is preaching, right? And he seems to be the embodiment of of a lot of these things. Certainly the most prominent on the offensive line being you know, an honorary single number guy being at media days, things like that. Uh, my question is sort of more generally, how do you balance a guy that's kind of right on that fringe of starting, I think, I, I think, versus a guy who very clearly is the epitome of what you want your football team to represent? I guess how much of a nudge does that give him in your mind in terms of actually playing and getting on the field and those sorts of things. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, I think it, it matters to a degree. I mean, obviously if Ethan Piper is consistent day in and day out and you know, the version of him that you're going to get when you put him on the football field, that makes it easier to play him in some regard. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it's an Ethan Piper or Henry Lutovsky conversation, then I think it comes down to if you're getting the consistency out of Ethan Piper, you're going to probably reward him with that playing time. So um, I, I also, you know, I don't know that there's going to be a rotation, but I don't think it'll be just five offensive linemen to start the year and only five offensive linemen. Like I, I could see guys having an opportunity to work in and out and I could see if you have an Ethan Piper and you know, he, he maybe starts for you, but then, there's a series or two where you're trying to work somebody else in or whatever it is. I think there's ways that he can be good depth. I do feel like he has emerged as a leader for that offensive line, as a vocal leader, maybe just for the culture of Matt rule. I mean, that was something that happened in the spring. He's one of the first guys to talk and he's sort of interesting, right? Like he grew up a Nebraska fan. He committed to Scott Frost and that staff. He desperately wants this place to be successful Uh, And he talked about how dead inside he basically felt last year, walking through Mm. the hallways, knowing Mm. where this program had kind of fallen and knowing that he was part of it. And so I think having him as kind of a a vocal, emotional leader isn't the worst thing in the world. And he's going to represent you really well. So I think there's ways that you can utilize him on the field. But if Henry Lutovsky makes a big jump or whoever, I'm just using that as an example, you know, it's not going to necessarily keep him on the field but he can still provide a lot of value for you in your locker room, too. A leader. Yeah, him. Hey, Shafe, we're uh, safe to say you're at Bellevue West Friday night? I will not be able to make it on Friday night. What the? I did not consult week zero before I scheduled another obligation. 
However, <laughs> we will have Husker 24 uh, 7 at the game. So, you know, we'll be covered. I will be, I will see Bellevue West for the first time that I see Omaha West side because I made the decision I will not be going to Colorado. I will be going to that game instead on Friday night. All right, we'll see you on September 9th. There we go. There you go. Shafe, we appreciate it, bud. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, have Mike J. That's our friend Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24 7. We got more stuff. We'll stuff. Get to, we'll get to stuff everything. Stuff and things and all, stuff. All sorts of ish coming up next here on Coffee and Cream.